0: And not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. Turning your Bibles to Psalms, Psalm 42. Psalm 42 is where we'll be today. Psalm 42. If you do not have a Bible with you, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Um, go ahead, you can grab that and turn there as well. Uh, we want you to see that what we're talking about today comes from the Word of God. Um, so there's no soapbox here, um, just the Word of God proclaimed. And we're in week two of a series walking through the Psalms, okay? Um, and what we found out last week is a couple things. Uh, Psalms... Is made up of 150 songs and poems. They're songs and poems. And we we also found out that these songs and poems aren't just meant to be pretty, they're meant to be instructive. Um we find in the New Testament where Paul says that all scripture, what, is God breathed and is profitable. Okay, so every word in here is for you and can be instructive for you, okay? There's nothing you read in the Bible that is just decoration, okay? Um, So that's what we found out last week, and we dived into Psalms 1, which set the whole tone for all of Psalms, which is that we need to fix our minds on the God of Scripture, and what it will do is help shape our hearts, because we, we have found, and, and I'm sure you have found, that in life, sometimes what we feel about God, about life, isn't always what Scripture declares and what we know to be truth. And so there's a wrestling between our faith and our feelings. There's this wrestling. And, and, and so last week, we kind of set the tone in chapter 1, Psalm 1, and today... We're going to be talking about faith and depression. Faith and discouragement. So don't check out um, because some of us are like that, we don't feel anything. We're like stone cold. There's a lot of, lot of us that are just, you know, stone cold. You'd never admit that you have feelings, um, but many in here can attest to a time in your life where you have felt the weight of darkness and discouragement and lowness. And so the Bible speaks into this and 42 uh, beautifully is going to fix our minds and shape how we feel in dark times. Um, and it, it starts out, so we'll just explain a little bit here. Um, Psalms four, Psalm 42, um, it says, For the choir director, a psalm, where many versions say a mascal, of the descendants of Korah. Now, everybody say Korah. The Korahites, in Second Chronicles, you can look it up, the Korahites were a section of the priests that were in charge of worship. As a matter of fact, I'll turn there for you. If you go to um, Second Chronicles 20... Um 19, this is what it says, listen. 2019. Then the Levites from the clans of Korahath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. So these were the worship leaders among the priests. That was their job. Their job was to lead people in worship, sing to God. So um, the very first thing I can tell you about this Psalm 42 is it's meant to be sung. This is a song it, to sing. It, do, do you sing in the shower? Anybody? Shower singers? Okay, that's fine. Own it. Car singers, you sing in the car because you don't want anybody to hear you. Oh, okay. Uh uh-huh. huh. No, I'm not going to ask that. I was going to ask how many of you shouldn't sing. Um, but yeah, okay, good. At least we're honest. We're honest. It's okay. Safe place, safe place. And I'd probably agree with you. Um, This is meant to be sung. And the second thing we find here is this word psalm, okay? Um, Or in in, in a lot of translations, it says mascal. And the reason it's translated, you know, just mascal is because we don't have a way to... um, we didn't have a word in the English language or, or in Greek or anything to translate this word mascal, but it comes from a verb that means to instruct or to be wise. So not only is this psalm supposed to be sung, but it is supposed to be instructive for you. Everybody say, instruct me. It's about to. It's about to instruct you. Um, And I'm going to tread very lightly here because many of us don't are are stone cold the way we are because we don't like when we feel. Um, uh, so, for those in the room um, that that th- this may feel a little weird to talk about darkness, but for those who uh, experience darkness. Uh, This psalm is going to create for you. It's going to lead you into a place where it doesn't have to be so dark. Um, And if you want to follow along, you can follow along in your fill in the blank in the bulletin. Uh, The very first line saying, poetry and singing, so the psalms, exist in scripture because God made us with emotions, not just thoughts. Thoughts. You are an emotional being. Otherwise, he would have just made you a robot. You all feel something on some level. And so because we are created in his image, right? We're created in his image. So we, the image of God is an image and a God who experiences emotion. You see it all through scripture. God of anger, God of compassion, God of mercy, God of love. Right, So God feels emotions, you feel emotions, you are not just thought. And 42 gives us a picture of a guy who's having a terrible time. So we're going to do two things. Um, First, I'm going to give you an overview of where this, this, this psalmist is coming from, his current state. And then lastly, I'm going to give you six ways to respond to discouragement. Via scripture, via this Psalm 42. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. ready. So overview. Let's start with an overview. You ready? Now, um, the very first thing we see in Psalm 42, we're going to read the whole thing here, and then we're going to go through an overview. So Psalm 42, starting here in verse 1. And some of this you may remember or have heard. As the deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. How many of you have seen that on a t shirt, coffee mug? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's what we call a coffee mug verse. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Now watch how it turns. Day and night. I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking. As I remembered how it used to be, I walked among the crowds of the worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan and from the land of Mount Mazar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas, as your waves and surging tides sweep over me, but each day the Lord pours His unfailing love upon me, and though and through each night I sing His songs, praying to God who gives me life. Verse nine. O oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts. Break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. My savior and my God. So let's just look at where this guy's at. Okay? Verse 3. Uh, we find his external circumstances. So what we see, his external circumstances are oppressing. He's oppressed. He's feeling low. Look look in verse 3. It says, um, Day and night I have only tears for food while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? So he's being taunted. It says it again right over here. Um, In verse 10, where it says, Their taunts break my bones, they scoff. Where is this God of yours? Now listen, his situation is so bad and so oppressed at this point that people are looking at him and saying, Where is your God? Now people don't just casually, you know, come around to taunt you. Typically, if they're going to say, Where is your God? Your life must at this point look like God has abandoned you. Has your life ever looked that way? He looked abandoned. The next thing we see is his internal condition is full of turmoil. Verse 5, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Verse 11, why, again, he says the exact same thing. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And even here, in In verse 3, day and night, I have only tears for food. So externally, his situation's bad. But internally, his situation seems to be almost even worse. This guy is on the brink of tears at every turn. Just overwhelmed, so depressed, he's on the brink of tears right here. That's the only thing he can eat. That's the only thing he can consume right now is his tears because he is so overwhelmed. It looks as if he has been abandoned. And the the last thing I kind of want to point out here in Psalm 42 is that he is in a fight to hope in God. Verse 5 says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. You know what he's saying? I can't, I can't even muster up praise to God currently. I can't. Have you ever walked through a season of life where it's like, I can't even lift up praise to God because my life is so terrible currently. I don't even want to talk to him. Maybe you've never been there but maybe you have and that's where he is currently he is fighting wrestling to hope in God he says it again right at the end of the chapter you know what that means look he ends this psalm with i will praise him again there's going to, he's telling himself i'm going to hope in God i'm going to praise him again it's going to happen my savior my God he's he ends the chapter not winning Now, we're all suckers for like a really like great movie that that things turn out terrible and then things end up great in the end, right? How many of you like a happy ending? Yeah, we all want it. We all yearn for it. This psalmist ends this psalm saying, why am I so discouraged? I know my hope is in God. I'm going to praise him again. My God, my Savior. He's in terrible shape. He's in terrible shape. He is what we would call depressed. Now, (laughs) the church doesn't like to talk about Issues like depression, because they don't know what to say. Right? You know, people. uh, That person's depressed. I don't know what to say to them. So I'm just going to let them be depressed. You know. My my heart today is that we would read this psalm and know how to better walk alongside those who are experiencing dark times. Even better yet, how to walk through them ourselves. Maybe today you feel, as he said um, down here in verse 7, the waves and surging tides sweep. Maybe you're feeling those tides sweep over you currently. But maybe this psalm will help prepare you for the next tide that comes. He is fighting, fighting, wrestling to hope in God. Because let's just be honest for a second. We feel like if I'm serving God, if I'm I'm attending church on Sunday, I'm going to small group, I'm reading my Bible, God, you owe me a life that is without pain. And the reality is this stark opposite. One, God doesn't owe you anything. But two in the broken world we live in if you as a christian as a christian if you cannot learn how to ride the waves of the storms where your mind and your soul is dark and you and it's, it's as if god has abandoned you then you'll find yourself in even darker places so that's where we're at. Um, that's where this person is at. A No happy ending. The psalm um, ends, and he's not there yet. He hasn't made it. Holding to God. It's almost like, have you heard the story of Peter, where P- Peter and the disciples are in the boat, right? And there's a storm that comes, and they see Jesus afar off. Jesus calls Peter. He says, Peter, come out on this storm. Have you ever been on a boat in a storm yeah, you don't get out of the boat. It's not wise. Not wise to get out of the boat in the storm. Um, but Peter sees Jesus, obeys him, comes out on the water, gets distracted by the storm around him, and starts to sink. And this picture of this man here in 42, this man or this woman, is that they are just holding, clinging, as they're feeling like they're drowning in the waves of a storm in the dark place of life. They're holding to this promise, this truth. Now, in the story of Peter, Jesus reaches down and grabs that hand. And let me tell you something there is no other hand you want. Ha <laughs> ha! There is no other hand you want when times are dark. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, six ways to respond to depression and discouragement, okay? Everybody say six. Six. I promise I'll finish on time. (laughs) Because some of y'all just been like, man, you know I'm hungry, right? Yeah, I am too. Six ways that, that this psalm instructs us to respond when we're discouraged and overwhelmed and depressed. The first one, he asks God why. He asks God why. In verse nine, he says, O oh God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Now, why would he say that? Why have you forgotten me? Has God actually forgotten him? No. And you know what? He knows that God hasn't forgotten him. Look at verse 8. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love on me. And through each night, I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. So he recognizes in one verse, I know who gives me life. I know God has not forgotten me. In the very next verse, he cries out, God, why have you forgotten me? So why? Why is he asked? Because it feels that way. He feels as if God has forgotten him, even though he knows it's not the truth. You know what the Proverbs say about the heart? The heart is most deceitful above all things. You know your emotions will lead you astray? Yeah. Your emotions will lead you astray. And that's where he found himself here. If we were to turn back, and this is such an important lesson, such an important lesson. If we were to turn back to Job... And turn to the 6th the, um, chapter in verse 26. Let me paint the picture. Job, um, rich guy, if you don't know, rich guy, tons of kids, tons of property, tons of uh, investment. I mean, this is a guy who's doing well for himself, and he fears the Lord. Okay? He's a Christian. Well, not a Christian, but he fears the Lord. Okay? Uh, Christians were post-Jesus. Okay? so, But... The Bible tells us he was a man who honored God and lived for God. So, um, time comes around where uh, Jesus allows, God allows Satan to test him. They actually have a conversation about it. And God says, You can do anything to him, just don't kill him. Man, I do not want to be that guy. That God says, you know what, you can try my boy Carl, just don't kill him. Come on, give me a break, God. Job loses his kids, he loses everything he has, he, his wife turns on him, and when we find him in chapter 6, his friends are around him like, Job, what'd you do to God, man? You ever have friends say that? They get around you, they're just no help at all. You're like in a bad time. They just no help. That's his friends. And Job, who is in the worst season of his life, a very dark place. In Job six twenty six, he says, "Do you think you can reprove words when the speech of a despairing man is wind?" You know what he's saying. Hey, listen, bro. He's talking to his three friends. Don't hold what I'm saying against me. Yeah, there are going to be times where I shake my fist at God and say, why are you doing this? We, we don't just see it with Job, who was a more upright man than you. We don't just see it in Job. We see it. Um, we went through Nehemiah. We see Nehemiah saying, God, what's going on? We saw it um, in Habakkuk, where Habakkuk was like, God, do you even know what you're doing When you're in a des- in a place of desperation, listen. There are going to be times where we have to look at each other. So let me just give you some practical practical here. If there's someone who's going through a hard time, they're going to say some things like, "Man, it feels like God's just totally left me." They know God hasn't left them. Okay, don't remind them. Listen. For me, just say me. Say I'm going through a dark time. And I say, you know what? It feels like, God, why have you forgotten me? Don't come to me with a scripture and say, you know what, brother? God hasn't forgotten you. I know he hasn't forgotten me. It just feels that way. You know what we need to do? We need to just let it go. As Job told his friends, let it go. It's like the wind. A despairing man's words are just like the wind. So when people are walking through dark times, They're going to say some things like, why have you forgotten me? This is how they respond. This is how we respond to these things. Number two, he affirms God's sovereign love. He affirms God's sovereign love. So in the midst of this terrible time, he affirms his love. Listen, right here in verse 8. Each day the Lord pours his unfailing love on me. Look at verse 5. He says, I'll put my hope in God, my Savior, my God. Verse 11, he says the same thing. I'll praise him again, my Savior, my God. In the midst of it all, we have got to learn to affirm the things that are true about God. We have to tell, remind ourselves that he is who he says he is. And he is a God that does not lie. He is a God that keeps his promises, even in the midst of crap. Many of you, oh, that pastor. I have to call a deacon's meeting now. Even when your life looks terrible, he is not changed. God is still God. Now, He declares his sovereign love. Look at this. I found this very interesting. In verse 7 it says, I hear the tumult of the raging seas and your waves and surging tides sweep over me. You know what he recognizes very quickly? That God is sovereign over it all, even the waves that are crushing me currently. Now that's tough to wrestle with, right? Some of you just don't like to wrestle with that, that God is completely sovereign. Like if we're going to say God is sovereign, he's either sovereign over all or he's not sovereign at all. Right? And what this author sees here is that, hey, listen, I know who God is, so I am affirming who He is, who I know the word declares him to be. So I'm also going to affirm that He is incomplete control, even of the waves that are crushing me. I kind of look at God's sovereignty almost like a ballast. You know what a ballast is in a boat? Any boating people, you know what a ballast is? Okay, well, let me educate you. Ballast is what you have to have in the bottom of the boat so it doesn't tip over one way or the other. Like if you have no ballast at the bottom of your boat, the wind will just toss you over. But what ballast does is it sits at the center of your boat. So even as the wind is kind of blowing you over, the ballast is holding you from tipping all the way. God's sovereignty can be the ballast in your life in knowing that he's not going to let the boat tip. He's not going to destroy you. He's not going to destroy his own. He affirms God's sovereign love. Number three, he sings. How weird is this? Any of you go right to singing when you're feeling bad? No. No. Some of us go to some different things that you probably shouldn't. But this isn't a sermon on running to other things. He sings. This is what he goes to. Look here in verse 8. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. So let me paint the picture He's laying in his bed weeping. He cannot keep it together. He is so overwhelmed by the circumstances he's in, he cannot pull it together. And you know what he starts to do? He starts to worship in the middle of the night, he sings. And what does he sing? He sings about God. Now I don't know what you, um, what your go-to worship song is, but I think each of you should have on a playlist somewhere some battle-fighting worship, some songs that are going to remind you of who God is. We just sang it this morning. Maybe you're maybe in the middle of the night, the next time you're wrestling with a dark place, you start singing Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Maybe you'll start singing, it is well, it is well with my soul. My grandmother used to sing, farther along will know. All about it. Farther along I'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll know all about it by and by. But probably my favorite, my go-to. You, you want to know what my go-to song is? In the middle of the night. Now look, my wife will tell you, you don't sing nothing in the middle of the night. Unless it involves snoring. Is that singing? I don't ever have a hard time sleeping. And part of me would like to just really spiritualize that and say, I'm just, I'm, I just know God so well. I don't have a reason to stay up. But really, it's, I don't know. I just really sleep well. But when I'm wrestling and I'm in a dark place, my, my grandmother's favorite song was farther along. But my grandpa's, I can see him sitting in his Buick singing this. He'd say, time is filled with swift transition. Not of earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes on things. Eternal hold to God's unchanging hand. And then he'd break into the chorus. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Yeah. No, listen. Listen. As the waves of worry and anxiety and not knowing and fear and a feeling of I just don't want to do this anymore as those waves are sweeping over you in the middle of the night you can grab a hold of his hand and know that it's unchanging that's what this word would tell you he sings Number four, he preaches to his own soul. He preaches to his own soul. Verse five, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. He's telling himself this. Say, tell yourself. Everybody say, self. Self. Have you ever talked to yourself like that? Huh? I think it was Martin Lloyd-Jones, he wrote a book, and I remember in the book, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but basically what he said is, some what we oftentimes fight the most, and and the reason we get ourselves in such a bad place many times is because, listen to this, we listen to ourselves more than we talk to ourselves. How many of you can just think yourself and to the pits of hell. How many of you can do that? You just think and feel all, your, all the way down. You just slide real quick. And you, you just listen to yourself so much you get yourself down and twisted. When really what we need to do is what the psalmist here does. And he, he tells himself something. He said, self, hoping God, self, This is what you need to do the next time you're you're trying to navigate something hard. Instead of listening to your emotions and letting your heart lead you astray, I, I would implore you to do this. Say, self. Yeah. God is in control. Self. It's he who justifies, not me. Self, what can separate you From the love of God, self. God doesn't lie, self, God keeps his promises. Self, he has the power to work it out. You have to learn to preach to yourself. I want to go through this. Two more. I'm gonna close. The fourth thing. Or fifth thing he does here is he remembers past experiences. Let's go to verse 4 and listen. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. So he remembers something. And you know what he remembers? A church service. He remembers a church service. He says, I walked among the crowds of worshipers leading a procession. To the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. And I need to address something very startling, and I'm just gonna be very transparent with you. Many of us have such a shallow view of what's going on in this room today. Many of us have grown up with this view that we come to church to get ours and go home. Many of us have grown up that this is just what you do on Sunday morning. You go to church. And I want to challenge your view this morning of what's going on in this room. What happens here. And what this psalmist remembers. This idea of corporate worship is not shallow. Because listen, if it the reason the psalmist goes back to remembering this church service is not because they just had great music and it was an information exchange it's got to be more than entertainment or just me downloading a bunch of information to you That's got, it's got to be more than that and the reason because if it was just that then he would just, it'd just be nostalgia and let me tell you something nostalgia won't help it wouldn't help the psalmist. But the reason he goes back there is because he, know, he knows God was there. God was powerful there. In the years to come, my prayer is that when I walk through hard times, I can remember back to church services where we poured prayers over people and people came down to the altar and we prayed for healing. We remembered the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was in this place. This shouldn't just be a box check for you today. February 9th, 2020 should not just be church as usual. What's happening in this room is never what is usual. God is here. Hold on. God is here. Saints go from weak and, and, and beat down to strong in this room. God gets praise in this room. There is a supernatural exchange that's happening this morning between mankind and the God of all creation. Diseases have been healed in this room. People have gone from death to life in this room. Corporate worship is not something just to check off the box for you. And if that's what you've come for, there are better hobbies. We come here to meet with God. And anything else falls short. He remembers. He remembers. Lastly, he thirsts. Look how he opens this chapter. He says as the deer longs for streams of water so I long for you, O God, I thirst for God, the living God. Let him clarify the living God. When can I go and stand before him? You know what he You know what I what kind of threw me for a loop here? This guy is in terrible shape. Life isn't great for him. And you know what he never asked once in this psalm? He never says, God, make it stop. He never asked for relief. He asked for one thing. To be in the presence of God. He has isolated the one thing that we need when we are discouraged. The one thing that we have need of when we're depressed or dark and twisty. We need to thirst for God. We need to thirst. He's he's saying, God, I I don't want you to fix it. All I need is you. I need you to fix it. I'm, I'm thirsting for you. God, please come to me. When can I stand in your presence again? I need you. I don't need you to fix it. I need you. Because one thing he understands, and I think the authors of this book we're preaching from today would tell you, is that it doesn't matter what comes your way, but it matters who's with you when you're going through it. And the very presence of God can do that. Do what, pastor? Meet you right where you are? I need you. I think there's people in this place today that would cry this from your heart that I need you. I need you God I can't do it on my own this situation I'm in uh, maybe you know someone who's walking through something tough right now and you can go to them with Psalm 42 and just say hey listen why don't you preach this over your heart brother, sister this is how you're going to walk through this And look, it may not be that it's to come to an end because he ends this chapter with I will praise him again. There's going to come a time I know the God I am talking to. There's going to come a time where I'm going to be able to praise him again. And that is your assurance this morning. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.